Hey yo, and here we go. Another episode of We Talk Music is on the air and in your ear. Once again, I am Moxon, and I have with me the King of the Casters, Mr. Brett Podcast. And Brett, we have a, a terrific guest lined up for today's show. That's right. I'm really excited. You know, I love jazz music, and uh, and there are some amazingly talented individuals, and we have one of those. He is a pianist who plays with Dap Theory. He does solo. He's got a tour right now with his band Unison. We have Andy Milne. Andy, how are you? I'm good, Dave. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great to have you on the show. Um, for one thing, I mean, we know we're talking about the tour, and of course, you're you're heading, uh, you know, through some of the U.S. and then hitting a lot of the jazz festivals in Canada, including where we are in Calgary. So, looking forward to uh, kind of having you having you in in the city here. But uh, tell us about the tour, and and you know, are you excited for it? Oh, I'm super excited for it. Uh, it is really kind of a expansion of a re booking in a way because in 2020 in may 2020 i mean our album the remission came out in i guess late april of 2020 and i i couldn't stop it because the wheels were in motion um and so it, it, you know i asked the label and they're like no you can't move it so it, it came out in the beginning of the pandemic which was you know kind of a drag but you know among other things right but so the so the tour we had i had planned was was much more modest um and I initially thought, well, maybe I can reschedule it. And of course that was, you know, foolhardy to think that that was even remotely possible. Uh, so I put it off until May of 2021. And I thought, why am I doing this? This is still kind of not, it's still a bit precarious. And, and so I didn't, I, I rescheduled it. And then, or I said, I said, decide I'll reschedule it. And then, and then we won the Juno uh, in June of 2021 uh, for jazz album of the year. And so for a group. And so I, I, um, just decided, well, let's do a 2021 and we can, we'll just bundle a bunch of festivals in Canada, hopefully because of the Juno win. And, and that, and that's what essentially happened. So I took a few gigs that were sort of still like, you know, um, on standby from the original tour and just kind of linked them together. So now we're starting in the Midwest here in the U S and doing a bunch of dates coming to Canada for several, for about a week steadily, like literally no days off. Uh, going right through the West and then a whole week in uh, the West coast of the U S and then finishing up in New York and making a new recording at the end of the tour in New York. So I know then you've talked about, about like the kind of songs that you play with unison because, and that was why you had to make a unison recording was because you didn't actually have any songs. Like, so what kind of things are you playing in this case? And, and like, and are you testing out some new stuff? Yeah, well, we're definitely going to be testing out new stuff because uh, I'm going to, like as I said, I'm going to make a new album as soon as we finish the tour. So it's kind of a, you know, you don't get that opportunity very often where you can have the concentrated time to really uh, kind of refine some music. So that was a decision I made to, that would just, it was like a, kind of, it would be crazy not to try to record um, at the end of the tour. Um, but I mean, that's that's essentially what we did and how we made the first record was, was we recorded after a tour that we had done um, and made that decision actually at the behest of the guys in the band who were like, we don't have an album. What are we doing here? And, and that's sort of a psychology that I think a lot of musicians sort of operate under where you don't, you're not really building something if you're just doing some gigs and how, you, how are you, you know, formalizing it perhaps, or how are you kind of introducing it in a, in a broader perspective? So, making a recording of some kind and some medium still seems to be a, a relatively important benchmark, I think, for musicians when they're kind of committing their time and their efforts in, into, into a project. So the music that was on the first record was, you know, kind of a, a reboot in a way because I had written music for the band, recorded it, um, God, I think it was like, uh, it would have been a year earlier, almost about, yeah, seven months. Yeah. Almost a year earlier. Yeah. In 28, in, in 2018. And the label was like, yeah, we'll put it out and everything. And I was like, I listened to it and I, and I thought this isn't right. I can't get behind this <laughs> uh, because the music I had written wasn't really kind of exploiting what this band could be. And it, it, it was a new enough band for me that I was still trying to find that voice as a composer for the group and, and find that balance. And, and so I scrapped everything and started over again. 
And so the music I wrote, the second you know phase was to sort of really bring the musicians that I had chosen specifically to play with me in this group to bring that in, in, into a more, um, I guess, you, you know, having a, having the band sort of, you know, having its own space rather than maybe, maybe perhaps remnants of other ways that I was writing or for different projects in the past. So that, that took me, you know, some, some sort of growing to get into that space. So, we'll play a lot of that music on this tour, but we're also going to be playing the new stuff. Cause I got to break it in and break it, you know, break it in somehow. You know? How do you involve the other band members in the writing process? Like, especially when it comes to like, say bass or something like that, do you, do you just kind of give the, give them like a, you know, a guideline and then give them just room to kind of fill it out? Um, it's, it varies, but I would say, generally speaking, in this band, the guys, Clarence and John, are really experienced. They write, they, they write music, but they, they also play in so many different bands of varying configurations where their input is, is welcomed, you know? So they usually should suggest something when, it's a, when something doesn't feel right, or they might have a, just a suggestion, like, have you thought about doing this, or why don't we try this? You know, sometimes if, if a song isn't fully baked, I mean, there's just something that they can suggest to say, well, why don't we just lose these first couple of bars and start here? Or um, what's the what's the what's the what's the effect of, of, of starting here? What's the effect of me dropping out here? Or what maybe we play this part together instead of you playing it alone? And so those suggestions just kind of come really unsolicited because they are generally solicited because they kind of that's why you pick people like that who have sort of smart insights, right? So, and you want to have that kind of environment. So that's the, that's the general working model that I have. And then in this case, I've also said to them, Hey, if there's something that you think that you've written that might be um, suitable and, and sort of, you know, synchronous with the sort of aesthetic that we have going, I'd like to check it out too, you know, and then that's something I have, this is the first time I've actually been trying to do something like that with with my groups. So I haven't seen the pieces of music that they're going to hopefully contribute, but I'm hoping that uh, get to, to have a look at them soon. But it's a, it's a nice it's a nice balance of being able to kind of say, okay, here's some ideas I have, and I think I know how this, I want this to go. And you know, they play it and we go, yeah, that's working. Or if there's something that's that, that's missing, they they sort of they speak up. What is it that drew you to them as musicians? Oh, that's easy. I mean, they, they John, I, John, I got to know because I was playing in a group of his called uh, rambling confessions and we just hit it off uh, from the point of view of sound and sort of courageousness and, and fearlessness in, in our improvisational roles. Um, so that was, you know, I, I, I love those aspects of his playing. So it was like, okay, this is easy. And we had a chance to kind of, foster that and then with Clarence I had known him since I we both moved to New York around the same time and I, every time I saw him I was inherited him and it just was like man I love this guy's sound I love his tastefulness and 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 just his reserve but his you know sort of explosiveness when necessary you know and so every time I saw him and heard him I was just like god um this guy's this guy's the shit you know <laughs> it's sort of you know, we but we'd never played together. So it was kind of at the time when I was thinking of building this trio, I kept on, I was sort of pretty settled on John in a way because he and I had been playing together. So we'd been formulating this kind of uh, synergy in a smaller context that was really sound centric and very improvisational in, in, its, in its character. So that was kind of easy. Um, and But the drum thing, I was still kind of scratching my head. And then I just, I remember seeing Clarence at a performance at Winter Jazz Fest, uh, he was playing with Uri Kane right after a show that I was doing with Dap Theory. And I stayed and listened and I was like, okay, that's it. And then we rode down the elevator after the show together. I said, man, we got to play. He goes, well, call me. And so I said, I, so I did, you know? <laughs> and that was, that was kind of like at the moment where I was like, why are you avoiding this in a way? It was like, it's so obvious you've known this guy. It wasn't like I was avoiding him, but it was just like, I think I probably assumed, ah, oh, he's too busy. He's probably not going to be able to, to, to commit to something like this. And so I think I was sort of maybe shying away from asking him, even though you kind of go, all these roads just point to Clarence Penn, you know? So that was kind of, in a way, it was just the universe saying, okay, I guess this is the time, ask him. 
Everybody, when, when you think of jazz, I mean, you think of the improvisational aspect of it. Now, tell me, though, about the idea of like improvising, but also being able to kind of self-edit. Well, I mean, the self-editing happens, um, you know, in a, in a bit of a, it's not like a algorithm, right? You know, it's not like you set a compressor at, and, and it says, okay, just take everything at this, you know, decibel and just squash it by this much. It, it doesn't have that kind of algorithmic kind of uh, functionality. You know, it's often some sort of hindsight where you're like, okay, maybe that's not how I'm going to go the next time I come around here. But it's it's such a it's such a razor razor thin kind of reflex that you're because you're responding to something in real time, and both the people that you're playing with, the audience, and your own kind of impulses and reactions to to what you've proposed. So. It's really hard sometimes to um, get that perfect. The guy next door is going to be cutting grass now. It's going to get louder here. I'm sorry. <laughs> I should have thought of that, but it's, the schedule has not been regular like it was last summer. Anyway, that's kind of what happens. <laughs> it's the language of jazz that's always fascinating to me, the nonverbal language and uh, it's difficult to encapsulate in words, but if you were going to try, how would you put it? The nonverbal. I mean, it's it, it, essentially it's like if it, it is like it is like language. It is like spoken language. It's just we, you know, you don't have the, the, the same kind of words because it's it, it's so much more universal than 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 a than a spoken language because a spoken language we are all speaking English here, but if someone who doesn't speak English is listening to this conversation. They get the intonation of what we say. They get the cadence of what we say, but they don't necessarily actually maybe comprehend the the words or the or the and and thus thus the meaning perhaps. But you know you you can watch a television program in another language and perhaps understand kind of what's going on, but you're not going to get the nuances of the of the storyline in terms of what's really being said, right? But you may be seeing how it's being said. And I think with jazz is actually kind of transcends spoken language because you can you can get that. Um, and I don't think that's just jazz. I think that's just music. Music's universal that way, where you can just you can get that un, unspoken quality that um, it's like body language in a way. You know, it's like facial expressions. You know, I think jazz for sure and music in general gives you those kind of nuance that verbal communication um, it, it doesn't quite do you know in a universal way i think so what, what makes it incredible is that it's universal and so you can you can you can imagine things like you could imagine a facial expression in a way yeah for me i, I mean when i'm listening to jazz and uh like brett i'm a big fan uh you know it seems to me like the instruments are almost speaking to each other uh, more so than any other type of music yeah well i mean they have to because you know, there's not, it isn't, it isn't following a, a script in the same way that classical music, for example, and even classical music, it's, they're speaking to each other because the composer has thought, thought about how those conversations are going to go. In jazz, it's happening spontaneously. And so it really is like the three of us talking right now where we don't quite know. I mean, you guys have some questions prepared, but you don't know how I'm going to answer it. So it's, it really is a, it really is conversation where the instruments are speaking through the people you know through the players you know so then through when, their personalities i suppose yeah, yeah. yeah. Say, say again and through their personalities i suppose through, exactly through the personalities yeah 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 so yeah. when it comes to like you know clarence and john like like to the unspoken language you know of jazz like how long did it take you to kind of get to a point where where it was just like you were you were working as like one you know unison one unit one in unison yeah well i mean i think it happened pretty quickly i remember the first gig that we did was really special and it felt like this wonderful first date that was kind of firing and there was like all this kind of like you know, it was not, not, not to draw the analogy all the way across, but like, it was very amorous in that way of like, yeah, we really kind of did like the, 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 the things, the, the things that each of us is presenting, you know, 
Um, so it happened to me. I thought it happened pretty quickly. It's a matter, it's maybe a more a matter of the refinement of how each of us is going to navigate one another's personalities. That is like a relationship again, where you're taking more time to uh, develop a sensitivity, a greater sensitivity. But I think the initial first date, it was sort of like, yeah, that's sort of clear that this decision to pick these particular people was a good one. You know, there's enough tension and there's enough, you know, kind of synchronicity. So then when it comes to a tour and doing a tour and then the music that you play, like how much improvisation are you allowed within the structure of that? Within the tour? Like within the structure of each show on the tour. Uh, I mean, I guess every show could sort of present different uh, limitations, right? For example, if we, if we're, if it's a club set where we're playing two shows in a club and we've got a, you know, nice long sound check to kind of get going and, and sort of feel the sense of the instruments that we have to work with or the, and, and the, and the room and the acoustics and whatnot, then there's a, there's a bit more perhaps latitude to kind of, ease into like how that, you know, intimacy is going to be expressed, particularly because the audience maybe is changing in the first set to the second set. But if it's a concert, um, if it's an outdoor stage or if it's a concert in a theater um, and it's one set and there's maybe a short sound check or maybe there's a long sound check, but there's like maybe more of a distance between the audience and the, and the band, we're going to then probably think about that as being more of a, more of a direct deliverable, the way we, uh, you know, planning the set and kind of like, okay, you really have, you, you, there is no, there's no second set. There's no second take in a way. So there's sort of a different cadence and a different pacing and it's sort of the staging of these things kind of impacts. So it's not, the, it's not the tour as such, the, 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 other than the fact that the tour is a album, an amalgam of many different types of playing environments. Each one has its own, um, not strengths and weaknesses. They're just they're they're just different pressure points or different ways of navigating the relationship between each other, the music, and the audience. And so I think I you know you know look at that as an opportunity. But oftentimes you know we have, like I haven't played you know so long. The last time we played was last fall. We played three gigs. Other than that, it's been ages, right? So like to to have a string like this is, is amazing because it's like they we like those three kind of different scenarios. I just explained we're doing all of those at different times. And so they're going to, it's going to shuffle. There'll be some shows like, I mean, just like getting an email yet. We were talking about email earlier, like getting an you know, email about a show where the logistics are such that it's like, they didn't give me the information about the sound check until way after I booked my flights. And it's like kind of annoying. Cause it's like, I can't, I mean, I could try to change those flights, but I'm going to end up paying, you know, for you know, to change the flights probably. And it's also the flights are just not what they used to be with the regularity and such. So, so it's either you're going to show up super early and have no hotel to go to so that you can go to this sound check. And you're going to also have this day of kind of heinous travel or two days of heinous travel. And you know that that's going to kind of maybe impact the morale of the band. So what's worse having a, having a short sound check or line check when the audience is basically in the room um, or making a decision to sort of get there early enough to have this sound check that may not matter anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and sort of what's going to impact the music, the, 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 the least in the negative and the most in the positive, <laughs> because the morale is important, you know? And so like, that's a, I don't know the perfect solution to that. Cause it's like, you, it's, you don't know how the day before is going to actually go. You know what it looks like on paper, but you don't know how it's actually going to go or what the gig the day before actually went like, or the instruments that we had to play on. A lot of variables that uh, it's not terribly sexy, but it's just, that's reality. Yeah. Feels like those, those moments mean that every show is unique because every show has a, a different personality of the band coming out due to the day that they've had. You of course, I mean? of course, and the food that we ate and, and the sleep that we got, you know, and the conversations that we had had on, on our travelers or travels and whatnot. I mean, or what's going on back home with our families, you know, 
I think that, you know, there's a, a hallmark of a professional musician is such that they, that most of that stuff that I just mentioned, you try to leave at the stage door and come on the stage and be, you know, kind of unaffected by that in a, in a, in, a, in the most obvious of ways. I mean, sometimes it's impossible perhaps, but most good professionals can, can sort of segment the, 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 other elements, but they they affect this. You know, if you have a great meal, you're going to feel good. You know, if you have a lousy meal, you're going to feel like crap, you know, and maybe you're going to feel disrespected if it was a meal that was presented to you from a, you know, a presenter, you know, where you're performing, but you still got to be professional and try to like, you know, transcend that. So it's, it's impossible to like, you know, completely be, you know, sort of cold about everything that goes on in the world. But I think, you try to get up there and do your, do your job, you know? And I think that's, that's what's, that's what you're trying to, you know, present because people, people came for that. They didn't come to sort of hear you lament about the meal or lament about the travel or lament about the gig from the day before that, or lament about the piece of crap instrument that you got to play. You know, that's not their responsibility in a way, you know, it doesn't yeah. mean it's not come out but it's just like that's (laughs) not you know have be the sort of center stage is there such thing as a a really good audience like what is the personality of a good audience i think a good audience for starters is one that wants to be there uh one that wants to, to 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 listen and one that wants to respond and one that wants to to be open you know um beyond that it's like who knows? But I think I think that's sort of what I would be happy, most happy with, you know, because if an audience doesn't want to be open or doesn't want to listen, you feel that because it's just like there's a there's a rejection of what you're offering. So it's like having people come over to your house and, you know, you don't know them terribly well, but you're trying to get to know people in the neighborhood and you and you invite them in and, 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 and they're just sort of like, no, thanks. That's OK. No, thanks. No, that's OK. Oh, do you have any? Uh, it's like, oh God, there's nothing that we've served is even remotely what they're interested in. And so now I just feel like, okay, so these people are jackasses and I don't want to be here, you know? And like, yeah, like what's the, what's the minimum that we can do before we can say, okay, thanks so much for coming over and get the hell out. Right. Like <laughs> what's the minimum? Like, do we do 45 minutes? Do we do an hour and a half? You know, is it just, do we just call it and after 30 minutes and go, okay, you know what? Just got a phone call. It's like, I got to go back to work. Like, I mean, what do you do? You know? In that situation. And I think it's sort of when you have that audience, you know, tension, perhaps it's like that's that's your challenge. I don't know that there's a easy out like you would with the people that you invite over to your house where you just say, OK, you know, thanks for coming. But, you know, if you're Keith Jarrett, maybe you do. <laughs> <laughs> if you're Freddie Hubbard, maybe you do. You know, I mean, these people sort of have this sort of legendary kind of status as far as um, w- ways of dealing with audiences. But but I mean. I've not, but within maybe two exceptions of my life, spoken to audiences in a way that would would even come close to the, the sort of <laughs> rancor that these guys have been legendarily known for. <laughs> now you touched on it, and I wanted to ask about it anyways because because I I read the the autobiography of Don Randy, who of course played played piano for the Wrecking Crew, and he would talk about playing the different pianos along the road and like, and how some of them he loves and some of them he hates. And so what is that like for you then to, to get into town and be like, Oh, here, here's my piano. Oh boy. Um, a bit of uh, anxiety because you don't, I mean, you don't think about it the whole day, the whole day traveling there, but you just sort of like, you, you kind of walk in. You see the piano. I mean, unless it's someplace you've played before and you know the instrument, but if you walk in and you say, okay, so this is what they've got. They're not going to get something else. Like, it's not like you're going to go, okay, I don't like this. Can you find something else? That's not happening. Right. So, you know, at least with, with drums, there might be a, there might be a chance, right. Um, There might be more than one drum kit someplace. There might be just a different bass drum or something like that. You know, there might be some new heads you can put on. The piano, you're like, this is it. So I usually have to look at it and go, what are its strengths? 
What are its weaknesses? And is there any of those weaknesses that I can avoid or at least exploit? Um, and is it going to be, you know, remotely complementary to the music I had planned to play or maybe like want to play? And it's, it's you just, you're, you're, at a, you're at a, you're at a loss to completely control that relationship. Um, the next best thing is just in terms of if I can, if it can be, if it, if it hasn't been tuned, is it going to be tuned or is there things that I can do to minimize the, the less flattering components of an instrument because they'll be, they'll be gnawing at me. Um, and, and, and it's just, again, because I'm a sound loving person, it's like, it's, it's hard to not draw attention to that. I mean, I'm trying to get a hold of my own piano tech right now because there's some things about my piano that are bugging me this past couple of weeks. And I don't know what the hell happened. Um, cause it was sounding like gold when he left last and it wasn't that long ago. And I don't know. If, I don't think it's climate, but you know, I, I, I kind of go well, you know, if you can't make it before the tour, I'll just save it up and do it when I get back. But I'm kind of going, I'm practicing a lot every day. And I really would love to get them to come in, but I don't know if it's going to happen, you know, and that's my own instrument. That's a beautiful instrument. Most of the pianos I get to play, I don't think are even in the same, you know, league. Some of them, I guess are close, but like a lot of times they're not. So it's, um, it's a tough one for pianists because I can't take it around with me. Because if I if I could, I I would. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sure. You know, next best thing is when I can have Yamaha move an instrument in for me, which I've done, you know, on, on some occasions. And they're doing that actually for one of the shows on the, the last show in the tour in New York, they're moving a, a piano in. Um and so th that happens sometimes. And then I know that when that piano comes, either I've played it before, I know it, or I know its cousin, and I'm pretty happy that it'll be, you know, exceptional. I don't so know why you can't take it. Just carry it yourself. Yeah, yeah, just, <laughs> just, let's strap to your back and get going. Right? Yeah. yeah, well, if we were driving and I had a trailer and a tech and a bunch of people to move it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> now, is Yamaha then the brand that you would, that you play at home that you would prefer or? Yeah, I, I'm a Yamaha artist. So I, I have a Yamaha at home and, um, their their sort of their premier uh handmade pianos uh, are just exquisite you know and so that's that's an instrument that i really you know align with how long did it take you i guess to kind of find the piano that spoke the most to you well i mean find it for me to to have my own for my own use or just to know about it even just to know about it i mean because there are so many i mean there's the steinways you know and so i mean a lot of beautiful instruments out there but but to get the one that kind of speaks to you well i mean i think i, I became a yamaha artist actually before i had was in a position to acquire a new an instrument that a yamaha instrument that i was happy with um so it was you know kind of like a weird uh, sort of staggered kind of um, partnership in a way in terms of that but you know you kind of learn more about pianos as you go along too so that's the other thing too you kind of acquire information and you have new information that sort of updates your affinity and so that takes time it's just, that's a kind of a lifetime relationship of just maturing as a pianist to understand how instruments respond and you know that comes from just hanging out with my piano techs and talking and asking questions and learning about their craft and learning about how they help make your experience a, a more pleasing one but you know like the piano i have i only got like five years ago the piano i have another piano in new york that i i i, I outgrew it years ago but i you know i couldn't really afford and didn't have the space you know to 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 deal with something bigger that was going to be more pleasing for me yeah, takes a while sometimes you never get there right you well and and it is such a space spatial commitment you know yeah. i mean when you talk about just like a besides a baby grand piano into the grand piano I mean, yeah yeah i mean you can't see it because not much light on it but it's like it's if it, it, it dictated where we live it's seven feet you know it, it dictates where you live because wow. it dictates where you can get it into a room that you wanted it you know it's mm. going to make sense in your life so it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And for something that you can't take with you anywhere, you know. Yeah. It's too bad you can't take it with you. I'm sure that that piano feels like an extension of yourself. 
It, it does. But honestly, I mean, it, you know, if I were taking it with me, that would put a lot of wear and tear on that instrument. Mm-hmm. You know, like to move it. I mean, I mean, there's very few musicians that do that. Right. I mean, Oscar Peterson, he wouldn't necessarily take the Busendorfer that was in his home studio on the road and put, you know, it would be, they provide something and it would move around, but it wouldn't be the instrument that he, you know, was in his home. Um, you know, I think, you know, someone like Lyle Mays, when he was touring with the Pat Metheny group, I think, I don't even know if that was his Steinway that he traveled around with, because they definitely toured with that piano, but I don't even know if that was his, I mean, he passed away, unfortunately, way too soon, but I mean, I know that in the latter years of his life, he didn't even own a piano. So I don't know if, if that piano ever, never belonged to him and it was Pat's. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm never quite sure actually, but like that piano traveled around with them. Um, but it's a lot of wear and tear, you know, because the climate is, is changing in every single environment plus the truck that it's in, you know? So it's a lot of, it's a lot of abuse in a way. You got to trust little the things people. You don't, little things you don't think about as an audience. Of course, yeah. No, no, no. You just expect it to sound great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here and go. <laughs> how selfish of them. How, how selfish of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so then, you know, how, I mean, you talked about Oscar Peterson and like, what kind of things did you learn from Oscar and, you know, and just some of the other people that you've played with and, and, learn, and just, you know, being around? Well, I mean, from Oscar, it's, it's funny. I learned about the fact that you know, it's not the piano. <laughs> We're talking about that. It's not the piano. It's the person. It's the hands. It's the spirit. It's the it's it's the sort of physicality of the person and their and their capability. It's not the piano. That was very you know, you know, profoundly demonstrated to me the first time I heard him play when he came into the room where I was rehearsing and sat down at the little crap piano that was available to me in in the, in the practice room. And like, it sounded like Oscar Peterson. It didn't, I, I, and I thought, well, okay, that's not, it's not, okay, I can't ask for a better piano because it's not going to make me better. You, you know what I mean? Like he, he just completely blew that excuse out of the water. He didn't even have to say anything or try. <laughs> he just did it. It just was. Isn't and that, that, just, that, that, that stung. <laughs> yeah. It's fascinating. Fascinating. Because, yeah, because I mean, he's so incredible. Yeah. And, and you would never think that you would still think that, that like he would make it sound good, but not that he could elevate it to Oscar Peterson level. Yeah. Yeah. No. And he did. And you're like, okay, that's not the, that's not the band. Well, too bad for me. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose part of the journey as a musician is that you're learning to play as yourself instead of as somebody else. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, that is the journey is like, is, is, is the kind of refining oneself and hopefully feeding it in a way that is uh, going to be rich enough to sort of match the excellence that you uh, are inspired by and strive towards from the people that you know that that, that, that you that, that's come before you you know the people that inspired you so you're maybe not trying to match you know for note what they're doing but you definitely want to find yourself and 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 and, and find your best self and feed that best self you know but i suppose even with with you know clarence and john like you're probably all pushing each other every show just to be better and to be you know and to go that little bit further yeah yeah and it's when it's great because you don't really you don't really have to talk about it it's just understood because you know that they take great care and pride in what they do and so there's there's it's sort of right there you know it's 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 presented to you in the in the way they kind of show up and, and kick ass you know so you're like oh man you can't you can't you can't sort of skate around them you, you did talk earlier about, about the idea of writing for Unison. And so I am interested in like your songwriting process. And, and, you know, again, it's like, how do you write for Dab Theory? How do you write for Unison? How do you write for just you as a solo artist? You know, it, it, sometimes I'm thinking about what people, how, what, where people might go with something. 
um, in terms of like, okay, if you, if they just heard this in a vacuum, what would their, re, what their reaction do? I mean, they couldn't possibly know that, you know? And so you kind of know what they might do. And then you kind of know what you're, what you're hearing and what you want to try to um, get from a piece of music. And if you don't, then you're kind of leaving it to them. If you do know, then you kind of articulate it either on the score or verbally when you present them with music. But that's my process has been, it's been challenging actually. Like I've been in the middle of writing right now. And I, 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 I last night I started something new that I just sort of scratched it out and I'll keep going today. Um, but I've got three other things that are still like, you know, it's going to be crunch time. I know for this tour, like I'm not going to have these things done unless I just power through. Um, but I'm playing over them. Um, a, because I need to learn how to play what I want to play as part of the piece. But B, when I'm playing them, I get more insight as to what I think the, the rest of the band might need or might not need. And so that's partly what I'm able to do. But I mean, uh, you know, the, when we'll, then we'll try some of these things in rehearsals and sound checks and just eventually get them into the set and, and see, what, see what they become. And, and, and hopefully, hopefully I can, I can uh, you know, put the finishing touches on them if they need something that's not there that needs to be formalized because there isn't, there isn't a huge window. I have like a day off. Um, have one day off in New York before we're like, okay, that's it. And then we make the record. So it's not a terribly uh, luxurious schedule for, for uh, pondering uh, updates. <laughs> <laughs> Must be difficult to, to get rehearsal in then as well. I mean, if you've only played three shows in forever, I'm sure that you want to have some rehearsal before going out on this tour. Yeah, but we won't. We'll just we'll 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 play in the sound checks, and then I, I'm doing. We're doing. We have one day. I think like the fifth day is like a sort of teaching opportunity, and we'll basically just do a rehearsal and talk about it with the students. Hmm. Which reminds me, I have to get a bass for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, how long does it take you to write a song? Oh uh, God, too long. <laughs> it's too long i mean it really it's some i'm you know, it's, you know i mean i've written it's when you call it a song versus a composition because of like i i have mm. themes that i've written that they're still not done in terms of like the overall like what's it going to be as the composition i have the theme done the theme i wrote very quickly you know a few minutes you know or maybe, maybe half an hour a day or so at the most where over the, over the course of a day kind of coming back and looking at it but that's that's not the composition that's just the, the theme and how you how you're going to like dress it up or how you're going to like you know present it in, in in this iteration that's that's the time consuming part that could take weeks usually does for me well yeah and then to to be able to get it of course onto the album in a in a finished state and so then also like how do like the external factors going on in your life I and mean, we talked about it from a from a concert perspective, but like, I mean, you, of course, with the prostate cancer going through all of that, like, how does that impact your songwriting? Well, I mean, you, you, you live a certain way and I've <laughs> writing is something that's pretty solitary. So like, you know, my wife called yesterday and I didn't answer the phone cause I was right in the middle of this idea. And I was like, there's no way I can talk to her right now. I'll lose this idea. It's it'll be gone. You know, and I called her back and said, sorry, I couldn't answer. I was, you know, working on this idea. There's no way. Which she's like, that's fine, you know. But I mean, like, even just, um, you know, so a few years ago, I probably would have answered the phone and been bitchy about it as opposed to just not answering the phone. <laughs> you know, what do you want? You know, <laughs> as opposed to just not answer the phone, finish the idea and then call her. Like, that's just like you kind of go through experiences to kind of help you contextualize how you can, um, navigate your life you know and, and and there's you know living through cancer just cost cost me a lot of you know time in in focusing on what it means to be alive you know and and so that is sometimes what i need to do to sort of i'll probably go for a bike ride today it poured rain yesterday but i mean hopefully I, I've got a, an appointment that I actually have to go to because somebody's coming to look at something in my in my yard. But I, I you know, I do, I want to get out for a bike ride because that's that's a time to kind of 
you know, ideas usually flow there when you're not even staring at a piano and a manuscript. So I need to kind of get some bike ride time, bike riding time in. What happens when you're on that bike ride and you have an idea? Like, is it like pull over and try to like mimic it into a phone? Or? <laughs> I might have to do that because it's pretty. It, we're we're at a time where it's like I don't want to I don't want to lose anything because I've been a little complacent about good ideas sometimes. Where I wake up from a you know in the morning and I've got this really clear idea and I'm like ah oh, there'll be another one, and I probably should be documenting it like in some way because the clarity that I have won't be there if I sit down at the piano two hours later. Um, so I, I need to be a little bit more disciplined about documenting those things. I just, I used to try to do that when I'm, when I'd be driving and I'd have these ideas and then I'd listen back to those voice memos and I'd go, I don't know what the hell this was. And this is nothing. <laughs> so, so I, I'm a little jaded about it because sometimes I'm not particularly impressed when I go back. <laughs> so I think what I would probably do if I go for a ride today, I will probably just keep singing the idea and just turn around and ride home and try not to be stimulated by anything. Cause if I am, I'll get into a new idea. <laughs> yeah. Squirrel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> How do you describe, I guess, an idea to into the, the like voice recorder? Like, do you, do you do it in like a humming or, or would you do it in almost like, like in a sharp, this is B flat. This is this. Uh, probably more. I'd sing something and then I'd verbalize something. If it was just like a picture of something, you know, like depends on what the concept is. If it's a, if it's a visual concept or if it's just, if it's strictly just the concept, I just speak, you know, narrate. But if it's if it's if it's a sound, I'll just sing it, you know, and 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 add annotations to sort of help me interpret it when I come back to it later on. Yeah. So then, as well, like when it comes down to like you know the song is finished, uh, the composition is finished, and like when it comes to naming it, like how easy is that for you? Uh, sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes it's really hard. I did a contest on the tour we did in 2019 where I had a bunch of songs that didn't have titles and I just asked the audience members to write them down or email them to me and I'd be a contest. And so, you know, I had a whole spreadsheet of these titles for a couple of tunes that I just couldn't name <laughs> and went through them <laughs> and picked out <laughs> for a couple that I was like, you know, on the fence about, I think there was three tunes I was on the fence about. And so I just, I, I used this little contest cause I was like, I don't know. Other times I'll just name it before I play. Before I, before I write it. So this is what this tune is going to be called. And then that's easy. Yeah. I love when that happens. That feels, you know, like, okay, cool. Like, I know where I'm going now. But when yeah. I don't have a title, then it's like, oh, it's just fishtailing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, because the whole concept, you know, needs to be so organic. And then, and then it seems like when, when you're doing something that that's, not organic that it's kind of taking away from from the music i guess and the thought process really yeah 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 so it's 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 a strange it's a strange re relative um kind of factor that you don't really think oh yeah this maybe does influence it it's like you know like it's like when you name a newborn it's like okay well i guess it's gonna grow up like Andy is its title you know <laughs> <laughs> well because there's a big difference or between yeah. Martin, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> There's a big difference between Andy and Billy Joe Bob. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> sure, sure, sure. No, exactly. Uh, well, I suppose Andy... though, when you get it right, it's got to feel good. <laughs> it's got to feel good. Yeah. 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 Got to feel good. Can I say that? Can I play that? Yeah. There we go. That's, that's yeah, the way yeah. that it needs to be. Yeah. <laughs> Andy, we've had a great time talking to you, and uh, and we want to give you the chance to tell everybody how they can keep up with you and where they can find you online and all that stuff. Okay. Well, it's easy. I don't do a heck of a lot of social media. I am on Facebook and, and Instagram in a, some sort of rudimentary kind of way, but I'm, a, I'm pretty basic at it. I, I, I generally just kind of like, if there's something, you know, that's going on, it's on my website, andymilne.com. Um, but I mean, I have a Facebook thing, Andy Mill Music and, and Instagram as well. But I, I I post a little bit more when I'm actively, you know, performing and stuff. But I don't I, I don't uh, post a ton. I'm I'm sort of getting into that space maybe two years late, where I think I'm going to start doing little vignettes from home and and just upping my production uh, just for the fun of doing that. But I haven't actually posted anything yet because I'm still just working on some technical stuff. But 
but um so and that you can look for that but i mean in the meantime you know anything that's relevant it's usually on my um you know it's on my facebook page sometimes but mostly on my website but googling me is pretty if it's something going on then it's probably google get you where you need to go yep well yeah. Well, I, I urge everybody to go out and listen to the remission. It's a it's a wonderful album, and and I do look forward to you know like you playing it on tour and and all that stuff, and and just and hearing new music as well. Thanks. Uh, the unison has been wonderful so far. So, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it too. And I'll, and just as the last thing, I'll say, yeah, people feel free to follow me on any of these platforms. I, I'm not <laughs> saying it's a total waste of your time. I'm just saying it's not like there's something going to be new every hour. <laughs> yeah. not not completely ready to jump in all the way but but you know you're willing to dip the toes in for a little bit <laughs> i'm a bit old school yeah <laughs> know what that's like that's for sure <laughs> well have a great rest of your day enjoy your bike ride and uh, and i hope the ideas flow uh, fast thank and you. furious for you thank so, you it's great talking yeah. with both of you thank you lot, so much man. you're the coolest thank you <laughs> <laughs>